Um, I'm from Twin Falls, and I feel like I'm ringing Kimberly, so I'll keep testing until I'll keep just jabbering here for a minute. Oh, you're getting closer there. There we go, there we go. Is that, that, felt that better? Um, how many of you women in this room are moms? Oh, God, almost everybody. How many in, in this room are grandmas? Yes, yeah, Stephanie's a grandma. Um, how many in this room, um, how many of you are married? So we're leaving some of you out of all of this. You're not a mom, you're not a grandma, you're not married, sorry. <laughs> you know, what is that, all of that about? It's all to say that I am one of you. No one flew me in from across the United States. I'm not a professional retreat speaker. I love to teach, and that's why I'm here. But I have pride issues. I have depression issues. I have anger issues. I'm just one poor beggar showing another poor beggar where to get the food. And I repeat that from someone else. That's not one of my sayings. But that's, that's who I am. I'm just one of you. And when Kathy asked me to teach, you have to know a little bit about that, and um, I love to teach, so she knows that she just kind of does this, and yeah, count me in. Um, Dave Reaver came to Lighthouse four or five years ago, and he challenged everyone, but the challenge to me was, find out what your passion is. What are you passionate about? And then be about that passion. For me, it's to come alongside other women and teach them what I have learned in God's word. And so since that day, day when Dave Reaver challenged me to do that, anytime someone asks me to teach, I'm in, I'm there. So I've already made that commitment. So I just challenge you to figure out, what are you passionate about? Once you decide what that is, be about it. So... Um, I'm going to go through chapter 3 of Philippians with you, and I'm going to give you four keys to unlock the joy in your life. Those keys are rejoicing in the Lord and have no confidence in the flesh. The second key is counting all things lost in comparison to the knowledge of Christ. Perfect, Kimberly. Thank you. And then the third key will be to press on by reaching forward and leaving things behind. And then the final key will be to wait eagerly for Christ as you recognize that your citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. So I started poring over this chapter 3, and it just wasn't happening for me, and I came across this verse. I'm going to pray this verse over my message right now as we go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to share with these women the awesome things that you've been sharing with me over the past few weeks. And that scripture I want to pray over this message, Lord, is to open my eyes open their eyes to the wondrous things of your law. Go before me, Lord. Nothing, I just pray nothing comes out of my mouth that's not from you. And if I do, Lord, would you just let that roll off the shoulders of these women, that they don't hang on to anything that's of me, that it's all you. May I 
decrease so that you can increase. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So in Philippians chapter 3, my other fellow teachers have set this up, that it's Paul writing. Um, He started this church at Philippi about 11 years before he writes this letter. Um, And you know, we refer to it as the book of Philippians. Paul didn't sit down to write a book. He sat down to write a letter. And one thing I really like about Paul is he never misses an opportunity to instruct. So there's things in here. Not only is Paul um, thankful for the church at Philippi, he also has instruction for them. So we'll, we'll dig into that. We'll start with verse 1 as I unwrap the first key to unlocking joy. Finally, which means... I'm, you know what? Are you guys at Philippians chapter 3? I didn't even tell you where I was starting. Okay, Philippians chapter 3. So Paul starts with finally, which doesn't mean he's at the end of the letter. It means from now on. So finally, brethren, rejoice, delight in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Paul never gets tired of helping the church safeguard their faith. And he tells them to do three things, is what you're going to see next in this chapter. He tells them to beware of three three things. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, and beware of mutilation. In that day, dogs were not pets They were scavengers, they were mangy, they were sneaky, they were awful. So the Jews tagged that name onto the Gentiles. The Jews were so special and so great and so good that they called the Gentiles dogs. Well, I love Paul's little sense of humor here. He turns it around and he says, beware of dogs. And he's talking about the Jews, is who he's talking about. And he's saying, you know, the Jews want you to clean yourself up on the outside so that you're right enough to to be right before God? Beware of that. We can't do that. We can't clean ourselves up good enough on the outside to be right with God. So Paul's warning the church, beware of the dogs. Beware of evil workers. Evil people do evil things. Beware of them. And then he tells them to beware of the mutilation, circumcision, So it was a literal circumcision that the the Jews said you had to be circumcised in order to be right with God. Paul says, no, no, no. We, in that next verse, verse 3, we are the circumcision. We have a changed nature. We are a new creation. It's not a physical mutilation that we have to go through to be right with God. So this first key to unlocking the joy in my life and in your life, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. You're going to see a pattern in my teaching in that I'm going to teach you how to put off and put on. So I want to explain that concept a little bit. If you'll go to um, Ephesians 4, Chapter chapter 4, verse 21. So all you have to do is back up a couple pages in your Bible. Ephesians 4. That'd be the next slide, Kimbers. 
This put off and put on concept was um, very eye-opening for me. Anytime the Lord shows you something in your life that you need to put off or get rid of, he will never leave you right there. He will give you something to put on in place of that. And if you don't, the Bible tells us that Satan will come in. You've cleaned house a little bit. There's plenty of room for him. He will come in and set up house and bring his minions with him. So be so cautious. Anything that I tell you today that's, that's sin and, and I encourage you to get rid of it out of your life, you've got to put something on in place of it. So Ephesians 4, verse 21, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man that was created according to God in the righteousness and holiness. So this slide shows you, as you go through those verses, every time God says put something off, he also shows you what to put on. So with that being said, if I'm going to rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, I want to break down the put on to start with. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Um, In context here, it means if we take the word Lord, that means one who saves. So he saved me. So that's my salvation. Can you see where I'm headed with this? I'm not going to rejoice in my circumstances, in um, the people around me, in the wonderful home that I live in, in the freedom to worship like this. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in my salvation. I want to go a little bit further with that. Salvation has three tenses to it. Don't get all wigged out and shut down on me because I'm getting into an English part of how to look at the word, but there's a past tense, present tense, and future tense to the word salvation. When Paul was saved, when he was on that road to Damascus and gave his life to the Lord, he was saved, past tense. Perfect. Did you read my... Good job. So he was saved. The minute you give your life to the Lord, you are saved. And the big 50-cent word for that is justification. Just as if you never sinned. So that's past tense salvation. Now, present tense salvation means on a daily basis, we're being saved from the power of sin in our lives. We're walking out, working out our salvation. So that's the present tense of salvation, and the big 50-cent word for that is sanctification. So we're justified, sanctified. And then the final tense of salvation is, you know, Jesus is coming back for us. And then we will be saved from the very presence of sin And that's our glorification. We get to take on Jesus. We get to our glorified bodies and minds. 
So that's our future tense of salvation. When you can put that into perspective and you think, rejoice in the Lord, you can say to yourself, I am saved, I have been saved, I will be saved from the power of sin in my life. And what is not to rejoice about that? The second part of that, rejoice in the the Lord, put that on and put off having any confidence in the flesh. When I was a new believer, I wondered, what's this flesh thing? I know what it looks like, but what does it mean in Christian ease, okay? It means my desires, my lusts, um, anything that's not spiritual. So have no confidence in the flesh means, you know, do not trust in my past accomplishments. Um, Do not trust in my feelings, what seems right. You know, my husband says to me, you know your feelings will lie to you, don't you? So don't trust in those feelings. Don't trust in my own understanding. I'm going to step on toes here for the next two bullet points. Don't trust in false teachers. Duh. If I knew it was a false teacher, I'm not going to trust in it, in them, her. There's a a particular gal, and I won't name her, but you probably figure out who she is, um, that's very popular against, excuse me, very popular amongst new believers and even seasoned believers. She's not a Bible teacher. She's a motivational speaker. And she will tell you what you want to hear. And I know you are trusting in her because I see you reposting her quotes on Facebook. I just ah. So oftentimes a false teacher has just enough of the truth in what they're telling you that you can't see the lie. Check it out against God's word. If it sounds real quippy and great, I'm going to live by that. If it's not in God's word, you better just lay it aside. And then the last one that I'll get pretty transparent with you about is not trusting in is pharmakia. Does anyone know what pharmakia means? Drugs. It's the Greek word for drugs. Do not trust in illegal drugs. Do not trust in legal drugs. I struggled with, well, I have all 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 my life that I can think of, struggle with depression. And I can remember BC, before Christ, in my 20s, doing the drug route, the legal drug route for depression, and didn't find that it really helped much. And then about five years ago, Um, tried it again, tried the legal drug route to treat depression. I remember that scripture that um, Paul is pleading with the Lord about the thorn in his side, and he pleads with him three times, Lord, take this from me. I've said that to God so many times. God, do you know how I could serve you if I felt like socializing, like mixing, like being with women? Do you know what I could do for you? And Paul told, excuse me, God told me 
what he told Paul in that, ver- in that verse. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm all that you need. So, um, did the drug thing again for about a year, and then, you know, it doesn't help. Do you know that drugs help depression about 8% more effectively than placebos do? It's just something to think about. If I step on your toe, that's not what I'm here for. Um, and you can come talk to me about it afterwards. If, if you're offended by anything that I say, please come and, and visit with me about it. So let's move on to um, verse 4. You know, Paul's got a lot to be proud of with his accomplishments and his past and his confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. So he was circumcised on the eighth day, which was a badge of spiritual eliteness. He was um, the stock of Israel, you know, and they, Israel was God's prince. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was the only patriarch born in the chosen land. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Not just a Hebrew, but a Hebrew of the Hebrews, that sect that thought they were so set apart and they were notorious for their meticulous adherence to religious rituals that outside rightness with God. And regarding the law, Paul says, I was a Pharisee, bitter enemies of Christ. The Pharisees were bitter enemies of Christ. Regarding zeal, in verse 6, he said, I persecuted the church. And not only did I persecute the church, I did it with zeal, with enthusiasm. Regarding righteousness in the law, Paul says, I was blameless. And that was his record. And yet, Paul counts all things loss for Christ. That's my second key to unlocking the joy in your life. Count all things loss in exchange for the excellent knowledge of Christ. In verse 7, but what things were gained to me, these things I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. Do you know what rubbish was in context here? Excrement. Dung. I count all things lost in exchange for the excellent knowledge of Christ. That I may gain Christ, here he's referring to his future salvation, that day when he is saved from the presence of sin in his life, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12. Not that I have already attained. He's not there yet. He's not equal to. Or am already perfected. There he's referring to his future salvation. He's not done. But I press on. 
Seek eagerly that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. That I may lay hold of that. So what's he pressing on toward? That, in context here, means the day Jesus comes back for me, his future salvation. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So how do we press forward toward that goal? God's word shows us how to do it. Um, In Hebrews, Paul instructs us how to, well, it might not be Paul. I have to correct myself there. We're not sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. It's one of my favorite verses, and the, the author instructs us how to forget that which is behind that keeps coming up in this movie you keep playing in your head and press forward to that which is ahead of you, how to put off and how to put on. So if you'll go to Hebrews verse tw- chapter 12, it's one of my favorite verses in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Um, I have this little groupy girls that I walk with many miles every week, and we call our little group walkie-talkies, and we're always looking for... Yeah, clever, right? (laughs) Who'd have thought? We're always looking for the next adventure, something to keep us training for something so that we get out and, and get exercising and walk. And I saw... Um, on the internet, this crazy event called the Sawtooth Relay. And I think Alexis has done it. Anyone else here done the Sawtooth Relay? It's the most bizarre thing you could think of. It's starting um, in Stanley. You, if you came up to Chalice that way or if you've ever gone through there. And it goes up over Galena into Ketchum. It's a 62-mile relay and I'm 55 years old, don't forget that part. (laughs) And you put together a team of of, um, six women, and you all have uh, two legs in this relay. The only way to finish before they go home is you have to run your leg. I'm a walkie-talkie, I am not a runny bunny. (laughs) I've always said running is for losers. But I really wanted to do this challenge. So I convinced these Janice, where are you? Janice did it with me. I convinced this group of women, come on, let's do this. And, and we started training several months ahead because none of us were runners. Um, in order to finish on time, I had to do the first leg. I had to start at midnight, okay? And then the last leg is like a, a 11 the next day, 11 a.m. the next day. We're up all night. It was a really fun event. But I say all that to say... As I'm doing this crazy, run one mile at a time for several days you know, in a row, this verse pops in my mind. I love this verse. So Hebrews 12.1, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is before us. 
My face just grinned ear to ear. There's three parts to this verse. Let us lay aside every weight, anything that holds me down, that weighs me down in this race for Christ. And then let me lay aside every sin, anything that trips me up as I'm running this race. Let me get rid of it. Let me put it off. Well, what am I going to put on? God's word tells me I can put on running with endurance. The race, not this silly sawtooth relay. The race for Christ. And how do I do it? It goes on in the next verse. Not in my own strength. Not in my own strength. The minute I think I can clean up the sin in my life to unlock joy, I'm doomed right there. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit and by faith in God. So let's go on to verse 15. I've given you three of the keys that I want to teach you about unlocking the joy in your life. We're going to zero in on that fourth key. And then when I finish, we are going to finish in a word of worship with a song that is so appropriate for unlocking the joy in our lives. Verse 15. Therefore, let us... As many as are mature have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. I love how Paul says God's going to make it plain to you, so don't try running from it. 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we've already attained, so hold on to the progress you've already made, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so, who so walk as you have us for a pattern. I love it that we don't have to reinvent our Christian walk. We've got people that have done it. We've got it recorded. Here's our pattern. I love how almost, I think every speaker so far said, this is where it's at. Okay. Verse 18, for many walk of whom I've told you often, and now tell you, even weeping. If you read very many of Paul's letters, he almost always mentions those things that he weeps about. Even weeping that they are the enemies of of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, that means hell, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is is in their shame, they brag on shameful things? Do you find yourselves cringing at family dinners when people are bragging on shameful things? Paul's warning us against being that way and fellowshipping with those that are that way. To continue in that verse, to set their mind on earthly things. That's me, who set their mind on earthly things. I tend to think horizontally. Paul's saying, you've got to think vertically. You've got to think up here. There's a verse in, um, I, won't, I won't have you go there, in 1 Corinthians that says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of the most pitiable of men. You have to let that sink in. 
You mean that my hope in Christ isn't just for this life? No. If it is, you're missing the boat. We've got to be heavenly focused, which is where Paul heads in this, in this closing of this chapter of, of Philippians. The fourth key to unlocking the joy in your life is putting on your citizenship in heaven and putting off anything else that would keep you from eagerly waiting for Christ Jesus. For our citizenship is in heaven, and we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a citizen of a community, then your behavior and your culture and your thinking kind of conforms to that community that you're a citizen of. We're a citizen of heaven. We should act like it. People should be able to tell I'm a Christian without even talking to me. I should smell different. I should look different. I should act different. And not have it be an act. It should be real. If I'm heavenly focused. And then eagerly wait. So that's trippy. Eagerly wait. For the Savior Jesus Christ to come back for me. Eagerly wait. So eagerly means the doing part and waiting, occupying until the Lord comes back for me. Um, In verse, I'll start at 20 again. For our citizenship is in heaven and we also eagerly wait for the Lord's to come back for us who will transform, change, this lowly body, these bodies that break down and get weary, that it may be conformed or made like his glorious body. There's that future tense of salvation again. According to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Because he can. That's all there is to it. So how do we eagerly wait? We put on being expectant. Looking forward. Not behind Put on heavenly behavior and put off my worldly behavior. Put on a peaceful life that is pure and blameless. Put on living intentionally, patiently, and confidently. Put on living for Christ every day. Be saved every day. It's a sanctification process. It's something that happens every day. Work out your salvation. You're already justified. Now we're in the process of being sanctified. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit and by faith. So, in closing, unlock the joy in your life. Okay, here it is. It's not that hard. By embracing your salvation. If you're not saved, this doesn't make any sense to you at all. But the minute you accept the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, these blinders fall off, and all of a sudden you're like, I get it, I get it. Embrace your salvation. Be who you are. Be saved. 
put off confidence in the flesh, put on rejoicing in your salvation every day, put off the dung in your life, and press forward to the mark every day. Put off my past and keep reaching forward to the future and put off my old life and put on eagerly waiting for Jesus to come back for us. So in closing, there was a worship song that we sang last Sunday, um, Let It Rain, Open the Floodgates of Heaven. And so in closing, Alexis is going to come up and lead us in that worship song. There's something I like about two things, well, lots of things I like about women's retreats. When we're in our home churches and if we're married, our teachers are men. And our husband is our teacher a man. When we come to women's retreats, we get to be taught by women. And I I love God's plan. I'm good with that. I love being taught by women. And then the other thing I really like is at a women's retreat, we can let loose with our worship. It's just us. If you want to go to the back and jump up and down and and dance to the Lord and your hands are up or your face is on the floor, it's just us. And Kathy will go more into that tonight when we do our um, afterglow time. But don't be intimidated to worship God right now and to let it rain on you and let God open the floodgates of heaven on you.